0: The Lord Jesus Christ had many enemies as he walked in this present world. Throughout the course of the Savior's earthly ministry and life, he faced fierce and very bitter opposition. Though Christ spoke as never a man speak, in the fullness of the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, Though he preached with perfect love, tenderness, compassion, and grace, nonetheless, we find in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, the Lord Jesus Christ was despised, and he was, of course, rejected of men. The Lord's preaching and his teaching did not always go down well, to say the least. Indeed, there were many, many occasions when his doctrine, his teaching, his preaching provoked the most vicious backlash from the religious leaders of his day. Even our Savior's good works. We were thinking this morning of how uh, the Lord Jesus Christ met with that widow woman grieving over the death of her only son. And Christ, of course, raised that young man up from the dead. But even the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ, which really were confirmations from God that Christ was who he claimed to be, that he was in truth God manifest in the flesh. Nonetheless, the enemies of the gospel, the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ, they slanderously, maliciously, and they blasphemously said that Jesus Christ did these miracles by the power of Satan himself. And of course, none hated Christ more than the Pharisees of the day, men who were filled with self-righteousness, men who were really the conservatives in the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ ministered in this world. But strangely, when we come to this portion of Scripture tonight, We find the Lord Jesus Christ sitting in the home of one of his great enemies. We find him here in the home of a man called Simon. Simon the Pharisee. Simon had invited the Lord Jesus Christ into his home. To sit at meat, to have a meal with him. Now, as we will see, Simon did not do this because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon did not invite the Son of God into his home thinking that Christ would be the life of the party. Indeed, Simon did not even like the Lord Jesus Christ at all. But nonetheless, we find the Lord Jesus Christ who is the friend of publicans and sinners, coming into this man's house again to magnify the amazing grace of God and set before you and I the glorious message of the gospel. But Simon hated the Savior. Indeed, we discover that as on other occasions, so once again, Christ had been invited into this home, into this particular fellowship, that the Pharisees might catch him out in his words, that they might find something wherewith they could accuse the Lord Jesus Christ to the authorities, in order that eventually they could testify against him and see the Lord Jesus Christ put to death. Indeed, once again, as we look into this passage, we discover that Simon, this Pharisee, had hatred and murder in his heart toward the Son of God. But as Christ reclined to eat, perhaps seated on the floor, as the custom would have been, leaning on his side, perhaps propping himself up on his elbow, with his feet tucked behind him, sometimes I Look at my wife when she uh, plunges down on the settee at home after a hard day's work and somehow she can fling her legs up behind her and sit uh, on her legs. I don't know how uh, people can do that comfortably. I wouldn't like to try and do that tonight uh, because I mightn't be able to get up again. But nonetheless, that is the idea. The Lord Jesus Christ was seated perhaps on the ground uh, with his legs tucked up behind him. And as he sat here at meat, we find a woman. A woman came into Simon's home. A woman who had not been invited to this meal or this party. And she begins to wash the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. She washes his feet not with water. That would have been the custom of the day. But as she washed his feet not with water but with her tears she began to dry his feet not with a towel as you might ordinarily expect but this dear woman begins to dry the feet of the Son of God with her hair. And then she takes a alabaster box of very precious ointment, expensive, costly ointment, and she anoints the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she kisses, reverently, respectfully, but nonetheless passionately. She kisses the feet of the God-man in worship and in adoration. I don't know about you, but every time I read this portion in the Word of God, my heart smites me. And I find myself asking the question, as a Christian... Do I resemble this woman who so loved the Lord Jesus Christ? Or am I more akin to Simon the Pharisee who criticized this dear lady and criticized the Son of God himself? Now as we come to consider these events, I want to emphasize first of all uh, this woman's repentance, she evidently came to Christ with a broken and a contrite heart over her sin, and she certainly brought forth works or fruit, meat for repentance. And that is really what we are faced with here in this portion of God's Word. If you look there at verse 39, we learn that Simon, uh, this self-righteous Pharisee, he actually looked on Upon these events with revulsion. He was disgusted by what he considered to be the unseemly behavior, not only of this woman, but of Jesus Christ Himself. We read there in verse 39 now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, when Simon looked on. When Simon was watching these events take place in his home before his very eyes, he spake within himself. These were his thoughts, the thoughts of his heart, the thoughts of his soul. He spake within himself saying, this man, he's speaking of Christ, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. For she is a sinner. And obviously Simon, this self-righteous Pharisee, would not have allowed this woman to touch him with a barge pole. He had this holier-than-thou attitude. And he was shocked, he was amazed, he was disgusted that someone such as Jesus Christ would allow such a person to come near to him to shed tears upon his body and dry those tears with the hair of her head and then kiss his feet with her mouth. And Simon was repulsed by the whole episode. He said, she is a sinner. Now, of course, we are all sinners. Romans 3 verse 23 leaves us in no doubt and no question For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We are all as an unclean thing, all our righteousnesses, they are as filthy rags. There are many people in Northern Ireland today, and they are depending upon their good works, what they uh, think to be their good works. They are depending upon their charitable deeds, their church attendance, their water baptism, or sitting at the Lord's table, or singing in the choir, or giving sacrificially to the offering, or being a good neighbor, and so on. They are depending upon their good works to merit for them everlasting life. To earn them a place in heaven, to save them from an eternity in hell. But while we are all sinners, the Bible does teach that some sins are more heinous or worse than others. And Indeed, the Bible tells us that on the judgment day, God will say to some that they will have greater damnation than others. And especially those who have had that glorious privilege of sitting under the sound of the gospel, knowing the way of salvation, but they harden their hearts and they reject Christ and they die in their sin. The Lord Jesus Christ says it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it will be for such people because they have sinned against the light of God's word. And that is an outrageous sin that will bring upon many, many people in Northern Ireland and many, many people who die having come and gone from a free Presbyterian church service. It will bring upon their heads greater condemnation, greater damnation. Some sins are more heinous. Some sins are worse than others. And certainly it would seem that this woman was a notorious sinner. She was famed in the community for her wickedness. Many, if not most, commentators would say, though the Bible doesn't stipulate it, but nonetheless they would surmise that this woman was in all probability a prostitute. A woman of the streets. She was certainly themed among this community as a sinner of the deepest dye. And indeed we read in verse 37 where the Holy Ghost himself describes this woman as a sinner. Which seems to agree with Simon's assessment of her character. She was a notorious sinner. But in verse 48 the Lord Jesus Christ assures this woman, assures this sinner that her sins, no matter how great those sins were no matter how scandalous her iniquity was, that all her sin had been forgiven by God. Look at what it says, verse 48. And he that is Christ said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. If you're not saved tonight, you need to know that is what God says about you. You need to know that your sins are forgiven before you leave this house. There is nothing more urgent than you getting right with God tonight. I don't care what else is upon your heart, whatever thoughts are coming into your mind as I speak tonight. You need to clear your mind from all distractions and think upon what God is saying to you. And you, more than anything else, need to know that God has forgiven all your sins. Death is very near. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. A little time, mind you, and then vanisheth away. You do not know if you'll be here tomorrow. You do not know if you'll even make it home or if you'll lay your head upon your pillow tonight. And if you do, you don't know if you'll wake up in the morning. And if you die in your present condition, if you die in your present state, where will you be in God's eternity? You need to be absolutely certain tonight, before you leave this meeting, indeed right now, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to take away your sin, to cleanse you in His blood, because you need the forgiveness of God. And this woman certainly was forgiven. But we have to emphasize tonight Christ did not forgive her because she washed his feet with her tears. Christ did not forgive her because she dried the Savior's feet with her hair. Christ did not forgive her because she sacrificially broke this box of very precious ointment and anointed the feet of Christ. Christ did not forgive her because she kissed his feet reverently in worship. The Lord tells us she was saved by faith, not by her works. Look there at verse 50. Christ tells this woman, and he tells you and I how this woman was saved. He says, thy faith hath saved thee. We are not saved by our works. By grace, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace, grace is something we do not deserve. We cannot merit it. We cannot earn it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. We are saved by grace, or else we're not saved at all. And we're saved by grace alone. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. And if you think you're going to stand before God on the judgment day. And boast about your church attendance or your church membership. Or your good works or being a good neighbor and all the rest of it. Then I have to warn you most solemnly tonight you will go to hell. You will hear Christ say on the judgment day, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. If you are to be saved, it will be by faith in Christ alone. Not by faith and your works, but by faith, by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. But while this woman was not saved by her works, while her actions did not earn God's forgiveness or merit for her a home in heaven, they were a glorious demonstration of her love. Her works performed upon Christ this night were evidence of her faith. They were evidence of repentance. We are told to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. There's a lot of people and they think they can be saved without repenting. But Jesus Christ said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And there must be a turning away from sin and this turning on to Christ by faith in genuine repentance. And this is what we see here. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, always produces good works in the life of the believer. There will always be this evidence of new life in Jesus Christ. A new life of loving, joyful, though imperfect, but nonetheless a new life of loving, joyful obedience unto God. A new life of serving the Savior. And I fear there are many, many people in Northern Ireland tonight, maybe some in this very congregation, and you have a profession of faith but there is no evidence to back it up. No fruits meet for repentance evident in your life. And truth be told, you have never had the experience of the new birth. You have never been born again. You've never received new life in Jesus Christ. You've never received a new heart. You've never received a new nature. And with all your profession, you are still spiritually dead. Dead in trespasses, dead in sins, dead toward God. There is no passionate, burning love in your heart for Christ. And that is very evident because you do nothing for Christ. The tears of this woman, her tears flowing uncontrollably from her eyes, dropping onto the feet of the Savior, flowed from a heart full of gratitude for God's saving grace. Because God and mercy had forgiven her sin. They were certainly tears of love and tears of sweetness but at the same time, they were bitter tears of remorse and tears of repentance. And while she had been forgiven, she never forgot what God had saved her from. And she found she could not help herself when she came into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. She could not hold back the tears of gratitude and the tears of sorrow for her sin. And the tears are flowing down her cheeks from her eyes, and they are dripping upon the feet of the Son of God. And she begins to wipe up the tears with her hair. The Bible tells us, you know, that for a woman, long hair is her glory. And this woman takes her glorious hair, maybe hair that she had used to entice men in the past to sin. She was once a slave to Satan and to sin, but now she takes her body and she places it upon the altar of service for God. And she takes her glory and she wipes her glory upon the dirty, filthy, grimy feet of Jesus Christ. And we see there great humility of heart. A humble soul. That's what grace does. What a contrast with Simon the Pharisee. This woman was a humble woman. who loved the Lord for his mercy and his grace in her life then she takes this very expensive alabaster box of ointment, anoints the feet of the Savior, feet that would soon be kneeled to the cross. And she kisses and kisses and kisses and kisses, reverently, respectfully, but passionately, the feet of her Savior. And the Lord Jesus commends her for her love, For her worship, her adoration, declaring she loved him much because she had been forgiven much. How much do we love the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything, more than anyone? If not, you're an idolater. If you love anything more than God, you are an idolater. You may not bow down to statues and images made of stone or wood or gold or silver or whatever, but you are guilty of idolatry. Maybe you're saved, but you have to say, where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is that soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? You don't love Christ today as you used to love him. You've fallen into a backslidden state. You are an idolater. Backsliding, you need to repent from your idolatry. And you need to give your heart afresh to Jesus Christ. Give your life afresh to Jesus Christ. Unreservedly, wholeheartedly. And be like this woman. But maybe you've never loved the Lord. You've never been saved. God has never forgiven you. And certainly tonight you need to come to Christ for mercy. Do we behave like people who have been forgiven by God? Do we behave like this woman? Do we love the Lord passionately? More than anything. More than anyone. But having considered this woman's repentance, notice secondly here very quickly Simon's response. Luke verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he speak within himself saying, this man if he were a prophet would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Simon was one of these obnoxious, self-righteous people with an arrogant, holier-than-thou attitude that resulted in this very critical spirit. You know, there are some people, and that's all they can do, Criticize. Others in the church are doing their best for God. They do not live perfect lives. They have their faults, their flaws. You know, some people say the church is full of hypocrites. Well, there may be hypocrites. But more often than not, it's simply the fact that the church is made up of imperfect sinners saved by grace. And we all have our shortcomings. We all have our faults. We all have our flaws. We sin daily in thought, in word, and in deed. The church is about the only organization where you must be a sinner to be accepted into membership. And those who say they have no sin deceive themselves, the Bible says. And the truth is not in them. If you come into membership of Colerain Free Presbyterian Church, you'll have to uh, come before the elders and testify to God's saving grace in your life. But you're going to have to confess that you're a sinner. That you are far from being perfect and only when we die and go to be in heaven with the spirits of just men made perfect will we ourselves be perfectly free from sin or when the Lord Jesus Christ returns again and we become like him perfectly sinless. But all until then we struggle and we battle with indwelling sin, with remaining corruption, with the world, the flesh, the devil... And sometimes we fail, and sometimes as Christians we fall flat on our faces. But that's not hypocrisy. That's just the struggle we have with our sin. But this Pharisee, he looked upon this woman and he criticized her. God save us from that. If that's the kind of person you are, you pray right now, God save me and forgive me for my sin. Far too much of this arrogant, self-righteous, critical spirit in the professing church of Jesus Christ, never mind outside in the world. But not only was Simon critical of this dear woman, but he was so full of himself, he was critical of Christ. And Christ was perfect. Christ always did those things that pleased his Father in heaven. In him was no sin. Even his enemies had to say, Pilate, for example, had to say, I can find no fault in this man. He was truly holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. But nonetheless, this self-righteous, arrogant, pompous Pharisee, he thought ill of Jesus Christ he was full of self-esteem, but he did not esteem Jesus Christ at all. He thought little of Christ. And I want to tell you something. That kind of thinking will land your soul in hell. What do you think of Christ? Do you even think of him at all? Or do you have to confess you're no better than Simon the Pharisee? And if Christ ever crosses your mind, he's not worthy of the thought. I want to tell you something. If you do not think highly of Christ, if you do not have the highest thoughts of Jesus Christ, I fear you are going to hell. Your thoughts will damn you to hell. Never mind your words and your deeds. Your thoughts are sufficient to damn your soul before God forever. We've considered this woman's repentance. We've considered Simon's response. But in closing here, and I can just mention this, notice the Savior's rebuke. We'll not take time to read the passage, verses 44 to 47, but... We read in those words where Christ rebuked Simon, and it was a scathing rebuke to say the least. Simon, Simon, you would not humble yourself to so much as kiss me, and in The days of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you and I, it would be the custom to shake hands. I know COVID and all the rest of it has caused even issues there. But ordinarily, you and I would greet one another with a handshake. In biblical times, it was a kiss. And the Lord says, Simon, see this woman. You did not even have the decency to kiss me when I came into your home. to be civil to me. Again, it was the custom to wash the feet of visitors. But he said, Simon, you gave me no water to wash my feet, but this woman has washed my feet with tears and dried my feet with the hair of her head. Simon, you never anointed my head, but this woman has anointed my feet with precious oil. Simon Do you see this woman? Since I've come into your home, she has not stopped. She has not ceased to kiss my feet. But you gave me no kiss. Simon, this woman has done all these things because she loves me. Why have you not done these things, Simon? It's because you do not love me. And that tells me that your sins have never been forgiven. I have never forgiven your sins, Simon. Not even one. You know what the Bible says about those who love not the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard the ungodly say, God damn you? God damn you? You know, those words really originate in the the Holy Scriptures. Where we read in God's Word, if any man, if any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. That word Maranatha refers to the coming of Christ to judge this world in righteousness. The word anathema means curse it. If any man love our, or love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. God damn him. Jesus comes. Do you love Christ? Do you love Him as your Savior? If not, you better come and call upon His name for mercy, for the forgiveness of sin. You better pray for that new heart. Full of love. Full of love for the Son of God. Lest God damn you. And your damnation will be just. In the pains of hell forever. Oh, that tonight you'd leave God's house in love. Head over heels in love with the altogether lovely Son of God. Let's bow together for prayer. In a few moments, our service will be over. For the Lord's people, we will be remembering our Savior's death in His own appointed way, but maybe you are concerned about your soul tonight. If you feel you need to speak to me, I cannot save you. But if you feel you need to speak to me, I can either tell the elders to postpone the Lord's table or ask the clerk to conduct it himself. But you need to be saved. Do not allow anything to come between you and Christ tonight. Not even the Lord's table. Better still where you sit in your seat right now. You ask Jesus Christ for mercy. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. Come now as a sinner. To Jesus. Our gracious God. And our Father in heaven. We thank thee for this woman. What a trophy of grace, of God's amazing grace. Lord, we're looking forward to the day when we meet this forgiven sinner in the presence of the Savior. But Lord, we tremble that there may be those in thy house tonight, and they do not love the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask thee, O God, to have mercy upon them. Lord, forgive their sin, we pray. Wash them whiter than the snow in the precious blood of the Lamb. And Lord, may they leave thy house tonight in love with thee as their God and as their Saviour. Lord, abide with thy people as we wait behind to remember thy death out of love for the Lord as we remember the Saviour's death in his own appointed way. Lord, come and sup with us, we pray tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this evening 380 after the singing of verse 1. If you're not able to remain for the Lord's Supper, uh, you'll be free to leave. I'll be at the door. But again, I would urge upon you the necessity to get right with God tonight and to come to Jesus Christ without delay. We'll stand together as we sing this hymn again after verse 1. If you're not staying,